Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 112 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for being here. I am your host, Dave Hopkins, and today my guest is from Long Island. No, that was like Australian. That was awful. Long Island. Long Island. I, I don't know. I can't do the accent. Long Island, New York. My guest today is Charlie Robinson, the owner and designer from Iconoclast Design Co., During this episode, we talk about how we did the studio life thing before going freelance and how amazing it's been since he's done that switch. He was originally going to be a baseball pitcher. He was amazing and had a full scholarship heading in that like MLB direction. But then a shoulder tear happened. He talks about the moment that happened and how that changed the course for him. We also get into his favorite logo of all time. He also talks about what it was like when he was cutting that cord and going freelance. We talk about a project he was a part of that didn't end the way he had hoped, and it was for the UFC. We talk about a project he's super proud to have been a part of for the Brooklyn Bowl, which is a wicked music venue. Um, I haven't had a chance to go there in person when we went to New York. We just ran out of time. But gosh, I'd love to go because the atmosphere in there just looks and I hear amazing things about it that it's just dynamite. We talk about some great tools near the end of the episode and a little bit about that Volkswagen logo rebrand. Ladies and gentlemen, this one is packed. Charlie's got some great stories to share. So let's get to it. My guest, Charlie Robinson. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing terrific, man. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. Are you ready for a quickie, sir? I'm ready. Let's do it. it. I like your little smile there. (laughs) Uh, So briefly tell the listeners about yourself then. Uh, I'm Charlie Robinson. I'm based out of New York, right outside of New York City, Long Island. Um, I own Iconoclast Design Co. Um, Do a lot of branding work, uh, a lot of work in the music industry, uh, packaging. And uh, yeah, I'm in my about a year and a half solo with Iconoclast. Loving every minute of it. Good for you. Okay, I got to dive a little deeper because I need some more history on that. So sure. before you cut the ties from working for the man and went freelance, um, yep. you know, put studio life behind you, what were you doing? What were you up to? Um, at the time, I, for the six years leading up to that, I was the creative director of a small studio that I helped build. In uh, We started in Queens, and mm-hmm. when I left, we were based out of New York City. Um, it was called C42D. Okay. Um, got a ton of experience there and it was exactly what I was looking for at the time. I came from a different agency backgrounds. Uh, they were more general purpose advertising agencies, um, where the person at the top wasn't a creative person, didn't have a creative background. So we were just the design part of that was just another arm of the company. Um, and I learned quick that, uh, that's not the right place for me. So when I went to see 42D, there was, he, he had some awesome opportunities and I got thrown to the fire, which is exactly what I wanted, you yeah. know? 
I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, I'd rather get the, get the experience than just read about it. Um, so thrown into working with Reebok, um, never did a photo shoot in my life. Uh, <laughs> got thrown into some crazy photo shoots with, I'm a big sports guy. So I got to shoot with a lot of pro athletes all over the country and yeah, just figuring it out as we went, um, all the way up to, uh, I pitched and won our first six figure project there, which was Good with a, a large real estate company. Yeah, man. So it was, uh, it was awesome. Awesome learning experience. Yeah. You just rip the bandaid off and you're thrown to the fire. You take the punches on someone else's dollar. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, obviously <laughs> that's providing why I, value. I love it. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So I'm going to go even further back now and I want to know about your childhood, Charlie. Was that, did you have a creative childhood that sort of led you in this career direction? You think? Yeah, man. Looking back at it, I guess I did. Like, I loved Legos from an early age. Uh, yeah, loved playing with GI Joes and building, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff for them. But really, I, I have a very distinct memory of when it kind of all when it kind of all happened, which was kindergarten. Um, first day of kindergarten, I'll never forget. The teacher asked us to draw a self portrait, and uh, I don't know what happened. Mine was the worst in the class. <laughs> the whole class laughed at me. Uh, it was a big thing. Um, so you know that year went on. And the last day of kindergarten, we had to do the same thing. Uh, and the teacher kept the original one. Yeah. So we could compare, you know, and this was, we had to present to the class. And uh, this time, I made the Mona Lisa <laughs> of kindergarten. Beautiful. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Well, I do know what happened. But uh, yeah, and the class let me know it, you know. It's like, wow, how did you go from being this bad, you were the worst in the class, to being the best, you know. And uh, it really came down to my parents worked long hours, um, late night shifts and whatnot. So I was with uh -huh. my grandparents next door a lot. And, uh, all I really had there was a, a pen and a pad, you know, yeah. and, uh, I just drew nonstop. That's all I did. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that also kind of formed some of my views on what talent is and what it means, you know, what, what all that means, which, mm -hmm. you know, I really just believe talent is how, how bad you want something and how hard you're willing to work for it. Ooh, um, well said. I, and I learned it the hard way. You know, I was, my whole that, you know, most people in my shoes would say, you know, I was the most talented artist in my school and everybody always let me knew it. You know, I, I picked up chicks in sixth grade by drawing them pictures of Garfield. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, that was my life, you know, and I was led to believe that talent was this magical thing that I just had. And, uh, you know, I learned the hard way with baseball and uh, with art. I almost fell out of college because I thought, well, I'm just so talented. I don't need to show up to class and I don't need to do this. And you know, that was kind of my awakening to that. And mm -hmm. then from then on, I just worked my ass off, you know, ever since 15 years later. Um, yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's Very what happened. Cool. I had a full baseball scholarship as a pitcher. You know, again, it was just I was able to throw really hard and develop that skill. And mm -hmm. I never really worked at it. And then one day it was gone. It just tore my shoulder. And I uh, learned that talent is bullshit. You know, you yeah. got to work. You got to work your ass off for it. So. Okay, so two questions here from that. Those original yeah. kindergarten portraits, tell me you have them. Tell me you have them I before don't. and after. I don't, I don't. At the time, you know, it was just a blip on the radar. I didn't even realize what it meant until sure. you know, maybe a couple years ago, honestly. Yeah, see, there's something to be said for hoarding there, Charlie. Something, something oh, I'm a hoarder. Big time. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> and yeah. So then on the, on the baseball thing, you had the full baseball scholarship for being a pitcher, and was yes. that your, like, was design pushed to the side at that point? Were you going straight for baseball? Yeah, totally. I, uh, I had some amazing art teachers in middle school and high school. Luckily, mm -hmm. we were able to have the same art teachers from basically from seventh grade on. Cool. And uh, 
I remember, I think I was in 11th grade and that's when things really started happening for me in baseball. My, my, on the radar gun, I was, I was really doing well. And so I thought, well, I'm going to be a major league baseball player. I don't need to do this. <laughs> Head and to so the MLB. Yeah. So I went down to, uh, I remember going down to the guidance counselor's office and I was, I was signing, going to sign myself out of all of the advanced art classes. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to do the work. You know, it was a lot of outside the class sketching, uh, basically four to five hours of your weekend. Mm-hmm. There was an assignment that you had to do. And I was done with that, you know, and I went down there and my art teacher made a, <laughs> he did not let me get out of it. So thank, thank, thank God for him, man. And uh, speaking of art, high school art teachers, I know, the other art teacher is the reason I'm a designer because he mm-hmm. pulled me aside and told me, at the time I was like King Doodler. I doodled on everything. That's what I was all about. I wanted to be a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. He pulled me aside and told me, if you want to provide for a family and make a good living as, as you know, drawing or using your creativity, he's like, be a designer. I didn't know what a designer was, but uh, yeah, I figured it out. <laughs> I actually figured it out. And thank, I, I'm really thankful for him as well. So, okay, um, Shout out to Mr. Wall and Mr. Snyder. <laughs> there you go. Schneid's in the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to now just sort of quickly, like for, for a couple of minutes here, just touch on that moment um, where you tore your shoulder in baseball. Can you like take us to that story? Take us to the moment that happened and sort of what your thought process was after and maybe where design really plugged back in for you? Yeah, so I was, uh, I mean, I, I sacrificed a lot of my social life in mm-hmm. high school to travel all over the country playing baseball. Uh, my senior year, I didn't get to go go to a single football game. We were out of the state every weekend. Uh, so it was like, because I was so immersed in it, I think it, I was in denial and shock for a long time, and I just shut baseball out of my life up mm-hmm. until recently, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was that. And, uh, so I went, I went to a college my freshman year to try to rehab and, and play. And, um, I transferred out after that and they were kind of putting a degree, a degree, a design degree together for me, but it wasn't really, I, I really wouldn't get what I needed there. Mm-hmm. So I transferred out to, uh, a great, uh, a great state school in Pennsylvania back home, um, and went there and, uh, yeah, that's where, that's when it all happened. I started to learn what it meant to be a designer a lot about typography. I wasn't a great student. Uh, I was still trying to experience college life, but mm-hmm. uh, somehow it all soaked in. And uh, yeah, when I got out, I knew every typeface in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all the memorization tests and whatnot. But yeah, I got my foundation there uh, at, the, at my second school that I transferred to, Kutztown University. Very cool, man. What a, what a moment that totally just like right hook, right turn. Um, and pointed you to something that you had been working on sort of all your life, um, yeah. but were forced to take a closer look at and ended up being the thing that did it for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm the kind of guy, if I can't do something a hundred percent, I don't want to do it at all. And that's mm-hmm. really what it came down to. Mm-hmm. So I was able to take that energy and just throw it right into my design degree. So awesome. Yeah. So Charlie, I want to know then what do you think has been the most influential design of your life so far? Something that really stands out and has impacted the direction of your career. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's, I think it's a two-sided answer, you know, something I've created, but also something I've seen. And I think for the most, my favorite logo of all time is the GE logo. And mm-hmm. I, I've just always loved circular logos that are tight. Uh, that one, I think to me, that has a lot of heart, a lot of soul. Um, and it stood the test of time. So I, I use that as kind of a goal setter on a lot of brand identity projects I work on. Um, but I would say the Stussy logo also, you know, as a kid, I used to love going to Ocean City, Maryland and going to surf shops with my dad, mm-hmm. skate shops and just that logo. The thing I love about that logo is that 
as a whole, it's very visually interesting, but when you look at it, you don't, you can't necessarily read it or you don't read it right away. And I love things like that, that kind of transcend legibility and become, you know, a, a design element on their own. Interesting. I like how you said that. Yeah. And then for me personally, what I, I, the most influential thing I've ever created really is for me personally, the, my first freelance project, I guess you could say that I created for myself, which was me reaching out to my favorite band and just saying, Hey, you know, I'm a hungry designer. I made this for you. Tell me what you think. And it, it ended up being, it was for the Brooklyn bowl. Uh, it was for my favorite band, uh, soul live. And they were, do, they were doing a residency at the Brooklyn bowl. And this was in the so Brooklyn cool. bowl's first, first year. And now we're like 10 years later. Uh, we just did the 10 year anniversary this summer. Uh, and the, and it's the design is still around. People are still reaching out to me, asking me to buy prints and whatnot. And I'm not even a I don't even consider myself a poster designer. It was just one of those things. I uh, just got lucky, you know. It just kind of fell onto my computer. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. The, when we were in uh, New York, I was telling you before we started recording, mm-hmm. um, we tried to get to the Brooklyn Bowl, but just the timing and everything else that we had going on, we couldn't make it work. So next time, but yeah, I follow them on Instagram and every time oh, I awesome. see, I'm like, Oh, I got to get in there. I want to get in there. Yeah. It's so awesome. The, the great, there's an energy in that place and there for the, for the music that I like, what happens a lot of times is you go to see a show and then just random people just show up out of nowhere who big name artists just show up and jump on stage and play. So it's, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. I got, to, I've got to see some of my favorite hip hop artists play with soul live. Uh, some of my favorite guitarists. So it's, yeah. All right, Charlie, I want you to tell me now about some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow. What, what is it about them that you like? Sure. So, uh, I love Collins agency out of New York. Mm -hmm. I believe they have an office in San Francisco also. Um, so I've been following them kind of since they started a few years back, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're founded by Brian Collins, a guy I really look up to and respect. You know, he kind of, uh, did the agency thing and then went out on his own and uh, they do awesome work. And I think the thing that I, that, that really attracts me to them is they're doing work for big time tech companies, big, uh, big CPG companies and, uh, you know, companies that could easily just be bland mm-hmm. and get away with it. Yep. But, uh, there's a lot of heart and soul that goes into the work that they do. So I love that. It's always very smart too. Um, another group I really like, they're ba- two guys based out of Austin. They're called land. Um, you know, they've they, come up a lot on the show actually. Yeah, they're awesome. And I, I also like how they're, they're just kind of understated. Like they're not out on social media yelling and screaming and trying to tell everyone how to do everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, but their work's amazing. Uh, same, same deal. A lot of heart and soul goes into their work. I love the brands that they work with as well. Um, and then, uh, Pentagram obviously, mm-hmm. um, and Aaron, Aaron Draplin and Aaron Draplin does amazing work. I love his work. I love field notes. I use them, but I'm not going to, the thing that means the most to me about Aaron Draplin is he's, I saw him speak two or three years ago in New York city. And, uh, that was kind of the catalyst for me to say, I can do this because he's such a relatable guy, especially for me. I grew up in a small town. Like I said, it didn't even, my parents still really don't really know what I do. If I bring it, <laughs> I bring home an album cover and give it to them. They kind of get it. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, just being from a small town, being a down to earth, normal guy, you know, I'm not striving to be this white collar guy. You know, I just want to provide for my family, Uh do the work that I love. And, uh, you know, him telling people what he does and showing it showed me that, hey, man, I could give this a shot too and maybe make it happen. 
Yeah, so. those are great ones. Yeah, definitely. I agree with the Draplin one. That's uh, episode 100. I did a dynamite interview with Draplin, if anybody hasn't listened to that yet. Um, and what I liked about that one the most too, Charlie, is he really went into some stories that he hasn't said anywhere else. And that's mm-hmm. what I was really hoping to get out of that. Yeah, yeah, it was a great, great two-part series. <laughs> yeah, it's a de- you got to dedicate some time for that one. <laughs> yeah, loved it. Um, I want to now ask you about print. And you had mentioned, you know, people had been reaching out to you about this 10-year-old design um, mm-hmm. about doing some prints. But how else have you utilized print in your design career? Do you have any stories around printer packaging? Sure, yeah. I mean, now it's I do a lot of LP packages, um, a lot of apparel, a lot of package design, mm-hmm. working with Anheuser-Busch right now. Um, so my, my social media presence is kind of all music, but really, I do more corporate work than music work. I just, <laughs> for one reason or another, I've just been posting more music work. A lot of great things in the hopper that I'm ready to uh, blast out. But uh, yeah, so a lot of package design. But when I broke out, out of college into the, into the industry, I was doing primarily print. And I didn't understand what trapping was. And uh, yeah, I, I, I screwed up some big things and uh, <laughs> learned that way, yeah. which was good. Um, but uh, but the, the crazy thing is at the time, Everybody was, I was working with a lot of older guys, you know, yeah. they were in the, at the time they were probably in their fifties and, uh, you know, they were very fearful for their jobs because of digital and mm-hmm. digital coming in. It was at the time when people were phasing out a quark and moving into InDesign mm-hmm. and I knew InDesign, I didn't know quark. So it was yeah. cool, you know, to, to learn. And then at the same time, a year later, never use it again. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So the same thing kind of happened to me. You know, I learned a little bit of digital in college, but I came out as a print designer and what designer doesn't want to make physical things, you know? Sure. Uh, Yeah. So it was kind of instilled in me that that's all going to go away and I got to hurry up and learn how to code websites, you know? And so I went down that rabbit hole for like two or three years, maybe even longer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, finally realized I don't, I don't need to be coding websites and trying to design them, you know? Hire someone who does that. I was going to say, there's people who love code who will do that. Sure, sure. And now I've got to the point where I'm doing more print than digital and I'm, I love it. You know, I, I I have, I really don't have the desire to be tied up in big website jobs anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if it's a brand identity that I work on, then yeah, absolutely. But I'm not really just taking on website projects. Awesome. Yeah. So you're, you're a designer of the tactile. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the only reason I still do the music stuff. And that's kind of, I kind of still consider that a side thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, just if I, if, if a band comes to me that I like, you know, and I can design a physical vinyl package, I mean, there's nothing cooler than that. Mm -hmm. Um, just today, uh, Kevin Moore's episode went up, I believe it's one Oh nine. And he does a ton of like, um, music cover art, CD cover art, record cover art, Mm -hmm. um, that sort of stuff. He really specializes in that and he's worked for some pretty cool labels as well. So you might dig that episode. I already dug it. I listened to it this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. In preparation. Yeah. Perfect. You beat me to it. Um, (laughs) all right. Uh, the next couple of questions I have for you, Charlie, take you down part of your career where you likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out and share those. Sure. So. What has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Well, I mean, it kind of all leads up to cutting the cord from, you know, being a creative director at a New York City branding agency mm-hmm. and leaving when, you're, when you just had your first child with your wife and you live in New York, one of the most expensive places to live, mm-hmm. own a house, 
Yeah, that was the most challenging. Um, leading up to that, you know, it was probably a two-year process of cutting that cord, mm-hmm. going back and forth on do we want to partner together or do I want to just break out on my own? You know, it was it was it was a crazy time, and uh, I can't really, I haven't even thought enough about it to really give another person in that situation uh, mm-hmm. advice, other than you really just gotta believe in yourself, you know, and if you have a, a wife or a partner, um, you, yeah, it's a lot of back and forth. Thankfully, my wife is an art director also, so she mm-hmm. understands the business, and uh, yeah, save up a little bit of money, but I honestly, I didn't do the typical thing everybody says, like, it just kind of happened, and uh, I had a freelance, a pretty decent freelance project with the agency I was leaving, so I was able to use that to get me started, and then it just Man, I, I really just believe, I hate to be one of those guru guys, you know, about if you just believe it'll happen, but that's all I've ever done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believed, worked my ass off, and uh, it, it just kind of happens. It's crazy. And uh, you can't let your foot off the off the pedal, mm-hmm. you know? You just got to keep moving forward. And, uh, you know, if you can, just shed the negativity that's in your life, which is what I was, I just was, you know, the corporate world just really wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh I wanted to try try it on my own. So yeah, that was the most challenging part by far. So what did down. you what did you really wrestle with when you're making that decision? Was it was it really can I do this or was it? I mean, maybe it was everything. Yeah, it's uh, you know really I'm a happy go lucky guy, always mm-hmm. kind of the life of the party, and uh, I found myself kind of I guess I was depressed clinically and uh, didn't go to the doctor or anything like that. I'm just uh, I, I'm from a small town in the country, and mm-hmm. you know you just rub some dirt on it and. You know, if, you, if you're hurt, and, uh, I think my biggest, I found my biggest issue was I'm a goal guy. I set goals and I reached all those goals. And once you reach all those goals, if you're not thinking about what your next goal is, man, that can be depressing. So I was a creative, what's that? You sort of hit that yeah, plateau. Yeah, yeah, right? I, I got to the top. Of, yeah, I got to the top of where I wanted to be, but I didn't set a goal for after that. And I, I learned very quickly that once I hit that goal, I needed something else, but I didn't realize at the time, you know, that's what it was. So uh, once I realized, okay, the next step is to own your own studio, you know, be your own boss and just be free, you know, then I, that's when I started working towards that. But the most challenging part was figuring that out. And I, I the people, that, other people that I've talked to that I'm very close with that are very talented in what they do, they kind of experience the same thing too. And it's, it can be, it can be the, one of the worst things you can experience is not knowing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, Charlie, now can you take us to the story about a design or a project, uh, specific ones that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Sure. And I, so, I've, like I said, I've listened to maybe 30 episodes and mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, lot, a lot of people answer the question as you ask it. And I think my background is a little unique and I'm thinking I'm going to answer this a little differently, which isn't going to be, yeah, it's not going to be really, okay, this project failed or, you know, something happened, which I've had those. But I think the more interesting thing for me personally is I've been the king of working on, of getting that life changing project. And Mm. then something crazy happens. We do all the work, we get paid and it never sees the light of day. So Uh. (laughs) yeah, and that can be a killer, man. So I, a couple years back, I did a, I'm a big UFC fan and through Reebok, I got to go do a, I got to do a campaign with John Jones, the light heavyweight champion. He's mm-hmm. the greatest fighter of all time. 
Um, so I, we did, we did a shoot with him. Amazing guy. The guy's a sweetheart to work with. And he, he gets a bad rap in, in with the press. Uh, and I'll explain that, but, uh, yeah, did this whole campaign, everything. I did the photo shoot, worked on video, creative director of the whole thing. I was the lead designer. I was very hands-on on this thing. This was my baby. It was like a three or four month project. I'm uh, boarding a plane to go down to Houston for a shoot, uh-huh. and the day that it's supposed to launch, and I find out the entire thing was pulled. Uh, uh-huh. He, I think this was when he was, he was drunk driving and hit a pregnant woman. Uh-huh. So yeah. Reebok had to cut ties with him. They pulled everything. Uh-huh. The only thing that aired because it was too late for them to pull was a, a full page ad in uh, ESPN the magazine. So. Uh-huh. That was one, and another one was uh, right before I left my last job, I was leading the rebrand of Shazam, and this was the life-changing project for me. This was this was going to be it. Did the whole thing. Uh-huh. We got paid. Everybody loved it, and Apple purchased Shazam right <laughs> when we were finishing the project, and so that never that that would never seen the light of day either. Oh <laughs> so, man. Yeah, yeah, and, and not every designer has those stories, but uh, those have been the ones that really got me. And it almost feels like those are the harder ones to handle than if something goes sideways and you learn a lesson from it, because yeah. there's literally nothing you can do. Absolutely. Yeah, we did everything, and everybody loved it. We loved it. <laughs> it was a great, great process of working with the, with the clients, and uh, yeah, out of your control. Oh, Charlie, that stings. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> So, and I've worked on a lot of failed startups too, where done some really cool stuff and their funding gets pulled and that dies. And mm-hmm. So your portfolio, you know, is strong, but <laughs> that stuff's not out, out living and breathing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Uh, the business side, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. I just devote, uh, 16 hours a day, sometimes 18 hours a day to creative mm-hmm. and uh, it's hard to say no. I guess hard, saying no is another thing, mm-hmm. uh, which everybody says. These are standard answers. Learning to say no um, and the business side, just making time for it. You know, I, I've, I learned some really good things from my last agency agency job as far as tracking, uh, tracking finances and whatnot, but I have QuickBooks and mm-hmm. I just don't do anything in it. It's so bad. They have a, they, they have a thing where you can just take a, take a picture of your receipt, goes right in. I don't do it. So I'm making a point in two weeks. I'm going to take however many days it takes to catch up and I'm never going to get behind on it ever again. <laughs> yeah. That's the hard part. You know, when you're, yeah. especially being so creative, like the, the analytical, like crunch the numbers send the invoice, follow up on yeah. the payments, like all of that stuff. That is not part. exciting. It's the worst part by far. Yeah. And you just got to make time to do it. I was doing it at my old agency. I was doing a lot of that, but, uh, Yeah. <laughs> that's by far the hardest thing and saying no learning to say no every time I've ever said said no is the best thing I've I've ever done in my career yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> but doing yeah. it more often is hard yeah yeah totally. for sure um, all right I'm gonna turn this bus around and I want you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of the one that just makes your heart sing or the biggest design feather in your cap sure I mean that goes back to that bowl that Brooklyn Bowl poster branding mm-hmm. Um, for Soul Live, the event's called Bowl Live. It's a two-week residency that they do, and they're the, they're a, they're really like a jazz funk uh, type of band. It's yeah. guitar, 
keys. The key, the keyboard player plays bass keys as well, and a drummer. And they can kind of play any type of music. They have, they they will have like Talib Kweli come through, and they'll play. They'll be the house band for him. Um, Derek Trucks, Susan Tedeschi. So we're talking like heavy hitters in any genre come through and play with them. They're like musicians' favorite band. It kind of reminds that, me of like the Roots. The Roots have like yeah, similar. Totally. Quest Love plays with them at Bowl Live every year, pretty mm-hmm. much. So it's yeah, it totally very similar. Um, so working with them, I've just become they're my favorite musicians, and I've become friends with them over the years. And uh, we work on a lot of things together. Um, they've they've hooked me up big time with some awesome projects outside of the music industry too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really been the big one for me. And I have a few other things that are going to be launching soon. Um, one being a new restaurant in Nashville. Cool. Uh, that's kind of a space I'm moving moving more into is restaurant branding. Um, so that, yeah, that too. Because I made a good friend out of it too. That's cool. I, like I love, this. yeah, that's one thing I love. You know, I'm looking to work with good people that I can get along with. And a lot of times, you know, a long-term relationship comes out of it. And I, I, I love that part of the business. Man, that Brooklyn Bowl project has stood the test of time for you. I mean, that's my goal, man. I just want to make things that, Maybe my grandkids will see someday. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm not really into trends. As, as, as some of my work is trendy, mm-hmm. of course. You can't. It's hard to. It's hard to fight that. But the goal is always to create something that could stand the test of time. Very cool. Um, Charlie, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Well, we'll start. We'll start macro and go micro. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll say uh, an iMac or a MacBook because. I got no time for those PCs. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So that, and then the standard answer, Adobe Illustrator. Yeah. Uh, of course. I use Adobe InDesign a lot too, and Photoshop, but mm-hmm. Illustrator is by far my favorite. Um, I, got, I got a taste of it in high school and started tinkering around, and uh, yeah, so that's been my favorite from day one. Um, and then a, an app that a lot of people might not use and might not know about is an app called FontBase. Mm. It, it's, a, it's a font manager. Uh, I've used a lot of them over the years, and a lot of them can bog down your computer. And FontBase, it's like a, I want to say it's like eighty dollars for the for your lifetime. Wow! <laughs> and yeah, it, you can use it for free too. But the free the reason I like the paid version is when you open a file, it'll automatically load the fonts that are active in there. So you're basically paying for that feature. Yeah. Uh, but I love that because I have so many fonts and. Everybody knows that's the one thing that can kill your processing speed mm-hmm. is having too, font, too many fonts active. I hear you there. Yeah. Well, you've reached the ask it forward question, Charlie. Right All at the right. end here. So I've got a question for you for my last guest, and you have the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. So first, there's a gentleman out there in the design world uh, who is the owner of Gardner Design, uh, a gentleman by the name of Bill Gardner. And he wanted to ask you, um, what design have you seen that has pushed design too far? <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's really tough. Has pushed design too far. The bus is rolling, Charlie. Who are you throwing under it? Yeah, that's, that's basically asking me, what design have I seen that I think is not good? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, maybe it just pushed it too far, a little bit further than it needed to. It still could be good, but it, too little too far. It's hard for me to think of one with a lot of substance, but I'll tell you one that I just saw this morning that I'm questioning. I don't mm-hmm. know if they've done it yet. Um, 
so apparently Volkswagen just rebranded their logo. Okay, I just heard about this over the weekend. Yeah, I just saw it this morning, and I, I I'm not like typically one that weighs in in the comments, what you know, one way or another. Mm-hmm. I typically like most updates, you know, but uh, I was I always read the comments, and at first glance, I didn't like it because the beauty of the, I made the Volkswagen logo in fifth or sixth grade in, in pottery class. Like okay. I made it because I love it, you know. So the thing I didn't like about it is. Normally, the Volkswagen logo, it's like a mono weight line. The mm-hmm. line is the same weight. But the new one, the outer, the outer rim is much thinner. It's probably half the thickness of the inside letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then the, the, the bottom part of the letters have a, rounded, a bit of a rounded edge to it. So it caught me off guard. But what I read in the comments from some people that seem like they're pretty legit designers mm-hmm. said it looks so much better on, on the car. Mm-hmm. So I'm anxious to get out and check it out because I own a Volkswagen. Yeah, uh, so I'm gonna go check that out today, most likely. That's cool. But, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm I have mixed feelings on it because I saw it on. Um, oh, why can't I remember? Uh, what's the website that does all the rebrands? Post the rebrands. Under consideration. Yes, thank you. That's okay. the one. Yep. Um, yep. I saw it on under consideration post, and um, at first glance, I kind of liked it because of it's such a drastic difference than where they were at before. Mm-hmm. But I'm holding full. Um, the conclusion of my dis- my answer, not that it means anything, but until I see it on the vehicle. Same here. So that one's, yeah, that, that could, it could be, it could be or it couldn't be. We'll see. We'll find out. See, I don't know if I can see it nicely on a Jetta, but if you picture it on like the camper van or the new electric van that they're doing, like a big fat logo right on the front of it, then yeah. I think it looks wicked. Yeah. If you would have asked me what's one logo that you should never touch and you should leave alone, I would probably say the Volkswagen logo. So <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested, interested to see how it looks on the car. <laughs> they took a turn on you. Yeah. Um, Charlie, what's your ask it forward question? Uh, all right. So, uh, you know, I, all creative people hit that block. You know, I hate, I, I'm not going to say creative block, but you know, when you, when you, when you know you have a stack of things to get done mm-hmm. and you just can't bring yourself to do it, you'll do everything but that. You know, do you have, what is your ritual to make that happen? And I'll tell you mine. I found that if I go on Spotify and make a playlist for the project, that kicks me right into gear. I get my mind, yeah, I get my mind moving in that direction. And then I, it, the music makes me want to work yeah. on that project. So, and I'm, I'm trying to th- come up with, come up with a way with my new website when I, when I launch a case study is to like launch the playlist that I made for that case study with it. So, so good. Yeah, so I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there with crazy rituals for that. So yeah, I'd love so to hear them. What is your ritual to just get stuff done? Yeah, totally. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, Dan um, Dan Mumford episode from last Friday was talking about um, how he ran into a spot where he had something like 40 illustrations to do for an art show, and he only had three months to do it. He got caught in a real tight timeline, mm-hmm. and he talked about what he did to just power through and hammer through and get them all done. What do you do? You have to listen. It's episode 101. (laughs) (laughs) It'll do. (laughs) Awesome. Charlie, you've made it to the end of the podcast, man. I so appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Awesome. Thank you, man. My pleasure to be here. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. This is the final episode of this week, and I will be back on Monday. Thank you again, and uh, have a great weekend. See ya.